right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. This guy is an incredible guy. We met him at the Podcast Movement Conference in Dallas. We had a great time chatting with him. We were cut, kind of caught by uh, his Iron Sharpens Iron booth that he had set up. And when Good we catch, saw it, right? Yeah, it was great. We were like, okay, hey, we got to talk to this guy. And so we did. We chatted for a few minutes, and then we, we said, you know what? This is a no-brainer. We got to get him on the show. Aaron Walker is a businessman, life coach, and has inspired many through his leadership, mentorship, and consistent pursuit of excellence. He enjoys helping others and believes experience is a great teacher. 42 years of entrepreneurship, 40 years of marriage have given Aaron a wealth of experience. Aaron, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So we like to kick all of these episodes off with what we call our Patreon question of the day. Today, our question is... What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, man. You wouldn't want me singing yeah, any I song. Don't know, <laughs> Same. Yeah. Man, None I of hate us to are. pass. I don't even sing in the shower, voice. man. You don't want to hear me sing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you had to, if it was shower karaoke, it's just you yeah. and the four walls of the shower, what are you singing? Yeah. Oh, man. What a difference you made in my life. (laughs) Oh, I love that song. Let me sing it. I'll do it right now. Okay. Drop it. I'll I'll, I'll save it for next episode. (laughs) What about you, babe? Carry on, Wayward Son. What is that? Oh, oh, what? What is that? Kansas. This is where you're supposed to chime in and bust bust, bust that song right in there. Just drop it in there. Can you sing it, babe? It's the... Yeah, I can, but I'm not, I'm not going to be perfectly clear that I'm not going to. Let's see what you got. <laughs> I don't do that. Come on. <laughs> can I? Know a lot. Hey, but I listen to it really loud, though. I can't sing, but I listen to it real loud. <laughs> One of those songs, actually, Marcus and I had to fly to Baltimore on Saturday night, and when we got to the hotel, they had, in the lobby, you could hear the music from the ballroom. Uh, and it was Sweet Caroline. Yeah, sweet. Oh, I like that that's song. That's one of those songs that... Oh, that was the best part. It doesn't matter, like, who you are, where you are. Like, I started singing it in the yeah. lobby while right. we were checking we're in. We were in the lobby of this hotel, and I, it's a big <laughs> conference, so there's every demographic is standing around yeah. us. Yeah. And yeah, I mean cool. every demographic. And you could... She, that's right, you could hear that playing yeah. in the karaoke bar upstairs, uh-huh. and when that Sweet Caroline... Um, yeah. What's that called? Uh, the hook. The hook came in. Everyone sang it. Everybody started oh, yeah. singing Everyone it. Everyone yeah. sang it, even if they weren't Every doing time. it out loud. Yeah. So that's one of those songs. I think. Dun dun dun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and everybody plays it at every wedding. We had it at our wedding. That's great. And I have pictures of. For some reason, we don't have a video of that. But I have pictures of that song when it when it was playing, and like everybody was so animated. My little sister Corey was like ten at the time. And she had on this Afro wig, yeah. and she's just, I mean, full out dancing, singing. It's one of my favorite pictures from our wedding. So I, that's my karaoke song, I think, even though I would never sing. I think mine has always been, She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy by Kenny Chesney. 
Yeah. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if why. If you can't sing, country music is probably kind of the way to go, right? Because they yeah, can, exactly. you know, you can harmonize in there. And, and everyone likes, for the most part, everyone, everyone the likes, likes singing it with you. They'll sing along. I don't care if you can sing it well. They like the song, right? That's, that's a good part about country music, man. John, you got one? You know, and I'm living like, right here amidst the country music, right? Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, so nice. We, we've got a few karaoke places around here. <laughs> and, uh, a couple, right? Actually, some of those old guys uh, used to be customers of mine. Johnny Cash was a customer, and my Come friend on. was... Is that uh, right? Oh, we need to get Gobby in here, man. She, yeah. yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. big fans of Johnny Cash in this business house. for 27 years, and Johnny Cash lives, actually, or lived about uh, five minutes from me. My he gosh. would come in pretty regular. I'll talk all so day about fun. them guys with you, from Hank, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Got the highway man, dude. I, all them guys. I, I that's what that. we grew up on. So I, yeah. I, yeah. that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. But, all right. All right. Yeah, one of them highway man is one of my go-to karaoke's, any one of them. I love that. Or Journey, but not Don't Stop Believing, Faithfully. Faithfully. Yeah. Some good options here, guys. I feel like Journey actually... They didn't know it, but they were making their songs for karaoke. Yes. 100%. Real quick, there is a karaoke uh, spot that just opened up here in this town. Really? On Saturday nights. So I think we might need to take a little trip. Karaoke trip. down there? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's calling us to the task. Like you said you'd sing that. Now we got to go do yeah, it. Yeah, now we got to. All right, all, right. Pa- all right, Patreon, thanks for the question. Hey, if you want to access all of this extra content, patreon.com slash teamneverquit. We got some great stuff going on over there. Some Q&As happening, some polls happening, a lot of fun stuff. And why don't you guys tell us what your favorite karaoke uh, karaoke song is? Let us know. Maybe we'll try it out whenever yeah, we we'll do this. I'll make a playlist. Yeah, we'll do uh, yeah, a great idea. Spotify playlist. Yeah. All video, Marcus. No, it's not. May- May- that, that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I don't remember that being in the deal. <laughs> Aaron, welcome to the show, man. We're excited to have you today. Uh, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Next time I'll come prepared and I'll uh, have a few tunes. I'll bring my guitar. Yes, sir. I have my banjo sitting here if you want oh, me to. Oh, yeah. Time, so Break it out. Hey, let me so. tell you something. I had a buddy of mine on the team. It's Hollywood. I don't want to say his real name, but he, he, he could play that sucker. And I yeah. mean, it's the most impressive thing when you see somebody sit down and start picking that. Yeah. Mm. Nobody, I mean, it catches you off guard when they bring that because it sounds completely different. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. All right. Thank you for being here, brother. Let's back this up a little bit. We know. I mean, you're here now. Let's back it up and find out how you got here. So, where'd you? Where do you? Where does this all start? Where do you come from? Yeah, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we've already had some sarcastic comments about my uh, southern draw before we hit the record <laughs> button, and so I'll go ahead and get it out there. If you can't tell from now, I'm native Nashvilleian. So, yeah, 62 yeah. years, man. Congratulations, I've been here my entire life. That's, That's awesome. awesome. It's changed. It, it, it ebbs and flows up there, right? That's a pretty cool place. Oh man, Nashville is the number one destination for people to move right now, and then Austin, and then Tampa. So we uh, we're at the top of the list. Everybody and their mother is moving here. <laughs> I bet land prices are going up. Yeah, there's a lot of movement everywhere. Unbelievable, it seems like, right? Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, let it just. You can start off by telling us your story. Um, yeah, and- where'd you go yeah. to school? Mom, dad, brothers, and sisters. Let's start yeah. with that. Yeah, man, you're going way back. So uh, my dad and mom uh, raised four children. I'm the third. I've got an older brother. Uh, My sister passed away this past January. Uh, This is 2022 when we're recording this. My younger brother lives uh, just outside of Nashville as well. And so uh, let me go back and give you just a little context of my story. So very poor family. My dad was a general contractor. Great man of integrity, um, 
great work ethic, but he just didn't want to do anything but hunt and fish. Uh, he didn't care anything about making money. I don't feel money, like there's so. anything wrong with that. Yeah. There's yeah, there's not. not a thing wrong with it. Right? I, I mean, uh, you, you you get to, bless you, you get to the, the guys who are really successful and the, 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 the labor guys. Man, when you say integrity, that's a huge thing. It comes with that because if your work speaks for itself. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But the hunting and fishing thing, I mean, you just can't go wrong with that. I feel like it's pretty simple and it's uh, Marcus, you should come up here. I just got back from the lake. You know, I'm, I'm on my way right now. Let's shut this down. Let's go. <laughs> you hear him? Hey, wheels up. Here we go. Wheels up. I, I <laughs> just <laughs> got back. And, uh, I'll talk, I mean, we can shift whole gears right now and, and just talk about hunting and fishing if you like. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, right, right. We'll forget all this other stuff. Right? We'll talk about hunting and fishing. Because that stuff speaks so, for itself. That's the cool part about having to grow up that way. I grew up with a dad like that yeah. too, man. And when you're out there, we we were talking about that earlier, man. It's the animal kingdom. It's like survival yeah. of the fittest. And when you know that sure. when you're out there, it teaches you a lot yeah. if no one's there to teach you. But I'm sorry. I got go some ahead. fun stories to tell you maybe on the uh, next round about hunting and fishing. You got and it. My dad and I fished tournaments together for 35 years. And so every uh, week of my life, we've hunted or fished together until he passed away in 06. But, um, well, when I was 13 years old, I was out of school for the summer. My dad invited me to help him uh, turn a beauty shop into a pawn shop. I didn't even know what a pawn shop was at the time. So I went and helped him, fell in love with uh, the atmosphere, what was going on. And I asked the guy, could I have a job? He hired me on the spot. I worked after school and on Saturdays, uh, went to summer school and night school for about 18 months, had enough credits to graduate the beginning of my junior year in high school, met a couple of guys with a lot of money. Uh, they were investing in diamonds and gold. And I approached them one day and said, why don't we take your money and my experience and open our own pawn shop? And they started laughing. They said, how old are you? I said, I'm 18. They checked on me, found out I was a pretty good guy, did really well in school. Uh, they said, we're going to do it. So I put up uh, the sweat equity. They put up the money and uh, opened our first pawn shop when I was 19 years old. Two weeks out of high school, I get married to the love of my life that we are celebrating 43 years coming up in June. Congratulations. Wow. June what? Yeah. I said, Robin, we can't mess this up. I said, uh, you're broker than a convict and uh, I'm right behind you and we can't <laughs> mess this up. So we decided to put all the money into the pawn shop and not take a salary. And uh, we paid a 10-year loan off in 36 months. So I was 21 years old, about to turn 22, had a paid-for pawn shop. So you're real square away, because that yeah. takes discipline. Most of the time when the checks come in, they, they, they go right back out. Ultimately, correct me if I'm wrong, but a pawn shop is basically a bank. It's almost the same thing. People keep your money yeah, in it, but anything your money is going to go buy. Sure. That's the funniest thing about it. I was like, anything These were to... real upscale pawn shops. These weren't your conventional, traditional top pawn shops. These were five and ten thousand square foot stores, wow. uh, like warehouse. I said we can. I said we can do it again, and we did, and we continued to repeat that till I was twenty seven. When I was twenty seven, Cash America Fortune five hundred approached me and made me an offer that I couldn't turn down, and I said, uh, "Hey, we're we're out of here." So I retired. At 27? 18 months later, Robin. Oh, well, well, you skipped from... over something. <laughs> well, hold on a second, man. 
Well, uh, hold, hold we on, never going to get through this interview. I might as well cancel the rest of my appointments today. Uh, that's uh, probably uh, a good uh, idea. You got, you've got too many accomplishments. That's what, 27 you retired? Yeah. Or shifted gears? No, I was through. Right on. Sorry, he just needed to hear that again because he couldn't believe yeah. at 27 yeah. you retired. Yeah, well, I didn't have anything when I was 18 and I was able to retire. I say that with great humility. I don't say that. No, it's great. I, I, it that I applaud the people who can do that. Because what I'm going to say, when retire most, when they think about that, it means like not doing anything. But you, you well, didn't really I didn't do-, do anything for about 18 months. And that was where I was going. Robin woke me up from a nap and she said, uh, you've gained 50 pounds in 18 months. You're getting in the bed in the middle of the day. And uh, I'm worried about you. And I said, I'm bored. I said, I play golf every day. I fish every day. And you can't do that, but so much. Right. Because you got to have purpose. And I didn't have any purpose. And so she said, what are you going to do? And I said, uh, I'll go back, relieve the guy that uh, I used to work for a little bit, and let him take a day off and uh, went in and started loaning him money to grow his business and got pretty deep. And I went to him one day, said, Hey, why don't we form a partnership? And so I bought 50% of the business that I started with when I was 13 years old. And we quadrupled that in the next nine years. And we bought a new building, tore it down, built a 10,000 square foot store. And business was really good until August 1st, 2001, which was 21 years ago. I was headed to the office. This kind of gets to the topic of your podcast, Never Quitting. I just left our church. I go there every Wednesday morning, pray for our family, pray for our church, uh, pray with our pastor. There's about six of us, and we go there every Wednesday morning. I just left there, and it was hot outside. I was driving a brand-new 2001 Lincoln Navigator, big red one. I'd been wanting this thing a while, so I went and bought it. And a guy was crossing the street on a four-lane highway to uh, catch a local bus, And I saw what was going on. He crossed two lanes. He got to the median and he stopped. And I saw his shoulders slump a little bit. And I was like, well, he's waiting on me to pass. This all happened in about three seconds. And so I sped back up. I was probably doing 45, 48, I guess. It's about a 50 mile an hour zone down through there. And as soon as I got to him, he took off running to catch that bus. And I ran over him. And uh I pulled over to the side of the road. It was like watching a movie in slow motion. And I grabbed my phone and I was scared to turn around. Finally, I turned around, looked, and there was this older gentleman face down in the street. Cars were stopping everywhere. And I grabbed my phone. I dialed 911 in a couple of minutes, ambulance and police cars, fire trucks. Everything started coming. And I got out of the car and I walked over and this guy was motionless. And, uh, The police got there and they asked who was driving the navigator. And I said, I am. And he said, I need you to go back, get in the backseat of the patrol car. And they let me in. He went around and saw everybody, talked to everybody that was there. It's a busy highway. This is about 70,000 cars a day go down this highway. So it's a very busy highway. And uh, people got there, started setting up cones, started taking pictures. And so about an hour later, he came back, got in the car. And I said, is he okay? And he said, he's got severe head trauma. And, uh, he's alive right now. So he let me go, took all my information, let me go. And I I gave him my name and number. I said, would you mind having them call me and let me know how he is? And so they called me Saturday morning and they said, uh, Mr. Walker, I said, yes. And they identified themselves. This is Vanderbilt trauma unit at Vanderbilt hospital in Nashville. And I said, yes. And they said, uh, 
you were the gentleman involved in the accident on Wednesday. And I said, yes. And they said, well, they told us to call you. Uh, he didn't make it. And I'm like, what? They said he didn't make it. And it was literally like my life come to a standstill. It was literally like everything stopped. Like I couldn't believe it. Like I was living the dream, two beautiful daughters, big house, place on the beach, fancy cars. Like I couldn't even believe this was happening to me. And so uh, his name was Enrique. He was from the Philippines. He was 77 years old. Come to find out he was best friends with my physician. And so my physician called the family and said, hey, this is a good family. They said, we're not going to sue. I mean, it wasn't his fault. The girl said my dad couldn't see. And he had been warned countless times not to go out alone. But he decided to that day, and he just he just didn't see. And so I called uh, I called my attorney, and they said, whatever you do, don't, don't call the family. Whatever you do, they, it can be used against you. Don't call the family. And so I found out who the family was, and first thing I did was call the family. And I said, listen, this is Mr. Walker. And I said, I had this horrible accident with your family. And the girl said, yeah, that's my dad. And I said, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to start. She said, Mr. Walker, we understand. And uh, my mom is really not able to talk to you. And I said, no, I get it. I get it. But I had to call and just offer my condolences. And so she thanked me. And so fast forward after that, uh, nothing happened. Uh, no lawsuits, nothing happened. And then about two weeks later, something snapped in me. I was at the office and I never had anxiety, never panicked, nothing. And I kind of went on a tirade uh this guy laid some tools down on the counter and made me a ridiculous offer and i just picked them up and threw them like i threw them and the whole store went silent we had about 10 employees and my partner walked up to me and everybody calls me big a he said big a are you okay i said no i'm, I'm not okay i said uh i've been chasing money since i was eight years old and uh i'm 40 now i said i'm i'm done i'm retiring i'm, I'm through so we worked out the details. I sold him the business. I financed it for him over the next 10 years and I was done. So I took five years off. I didn't do anything for five years. And uh, same scenario, kind of like it happened when I was 27, Robin came to me and she said, you know, you've gained 50 or 60 pounds again. You're getting in the bed again. And I'm worried about you. And so had a counselor that I uh, went to, a lot of good friends, and Robin looked at me. She grabbed both shoulders, and she looked at me in the face, and she said, we need you to be strong. We need you. Your kids need you. Your grandkids are going to need you. We need you. And it was something that really uh, – I'd never been in that position. I'd never been in that shape in my life because I'm a hard charger. I go, go, go. Well – to go back, because this is part of the story, I'll have to digress just for a moment. In the early 90s, I was at Luby's Cafeteria listening to a guy speak about starting a radio show. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. So I went and heard him speak. And then I went up and introduced myself to him afterwards. And I said, hey, I've got a brand new store we just built. Uh, you need to come check it out. So he did. And he said, man, this is unbelievable. He said, I would love for you to advertise on my show. And I said, there's no way. I've never even heard of you. Nobody's ever heard of you. You're just starting this radio show, and there's no way. And he said, try me for a week. If you like it, he said, uh, we'll talk about it. So three days in, people were storming in the store. They were buying things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what in the world? And I called him, and I said, hey, 
I don't know what you're doing, but I'm interested because these people are coming from everywhere. And he said, well, you got to sign an annual contract. And I said, dude, I didn't know you three days ago. And today you want me to sign an annual contract and your advertising is expensive. He said, if you want to advertise with me, you got to sign an annual contract. And I said, okay, well, that was my first encounter with Dave Ramsey. Uh, Dave was starting the show here in Nashville and I spent the next 21 years sponsoring his show. And Dave and I became best friends over three decades now. Well, about the time I had the wreck, I had been advertising with him for five or six years. He invited me to join his mastermind. And I said, I don't even know what a mastermind is. And he said, just come to my office and check it out. So I did. And he introduced me to the other nine guys. And it radically changed my life, Marcus. I can't even begin to tell you how being in that mastermind letting that veil down. It was a safe place. I could be transparent. I could be vulnerable. And it helped work me through this devastation that I had been involved in. And there's a lot of side stories related to that, but I won't bore you with all the details, but it was the thing for me that aligns with your show is you you can't quit. Like people need you. There, there's responsibilities that we have as a dad, as a husband, and we can't just sit on the sideline, whether you've had a financial crisis or a moral failure or you've run over and killed somebody. We cannot quit. We have to get up because nobody can live your life, but you. And right. so that's the thing that I really learned out of being around these guys for so long. And then from there, we went on, we've, we've owned 14 businesses over the course of 43 years now. And so there's a whole lot to unpack there, but the thing for me was, is that it was a pivotal moment. And what I discovered through the automobile accident was that I'd had great success financially, but I had no significance. And I said, if it had been me that was killed that day, my legacy would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27, and nobody cares. And man, it was just like a stake in my heart. It was like, I don't want my legacy to be that. Like, I want my legacy to be, you know, Marcus and Melanie's life is different as a result of having interacted with me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave a legacy of helping, giving, supporting, encouraging, lifting people up and helping them transform their life and accomplish their dreams and goals. And so I said, God, if you'll give me one more chance, I'll turn this around and I'll do that. So fortunately today, we've got Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind. We have members all over the world today. Um, we're helping people transform their life and accomplish their goals and dreams. So that's a little bit of the backstory. Boy, that's a long backstory. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's though. a little bit of the backstory. So going back to the um, accident just for a second, I don't want to um, hang on to that, but the did you ever have any other interaction with the family again? Well, I'm going to tell you another story that seems actually a little bit more unbelievable than that story. So fast forward, that was in 2001. My dad passed away in October of 2006. So five years later, my dad had cancer and he was in ICU the last two weeks of his life. 
And so we sat with him for day and night for a couple of weeks before he passed away. And uh, I left for lunch one day and I came back and there's glass walls in the ICU at the hospital. And when I walked in, my mom acted really strange. And I said, what's the problem? What's what's wrong? She said, nothing. I said, bull, like you're acting really weird. What's the problem? I said, they said something else about dad. And she said, no, I don't really want to tell you. And I said, "Uh, well, (laughs) you're going to tell me. And she said, your dad's nurse was just in here and we were talking and she was telling us how much her dad had meant to her. And she pointed out the glass window. She goes, you see that girl standing there? And I said, yeah. She said, her dad was killed five years ago in a car wreck. And I said, what? And she said, uh, they never met the person that did it. She was telling me that it happened in an automobile accident. Her dad got run over. Mm. So the irony of this story gives me chills even now. And I've told this story thousands of times is that we never know how our paths are going to cross with anybody ever again. And this girl took care of my dad in the last two weeks of his life. And I happened to have taken her dad's life five years earlier. So that's the only other interaction we've ever had. We never told her we didn't want her to feel awkward or strange. And so since then, no, since 2001, I've never had any other interaction or conversation. That's really powerful. That made me cry. I'm sorry. I have to take a second. That's really powerful. That's heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's pretty heavy, bro. I mean, I'll... Yeah, that is really powerful. That's a, like a movie in itself. With that, that sounds like something the, about, yeah, yeah. A world I live in too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't realize mm-hmm. how small it is. Each That's how God works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's always working in the background, right? We never know. We can always connect the dots looking back. Mm-hmm. We can just never connect them looking forward. But see, that that's a lesson for all of us is because... Things happen in our lives today, whether it's through uh, trials or tribulations. It doesn't work out the way we think it's going to oftentimes. Uh, and that's why we can't quit. See, we don't know what the next chapter is going to be. Like, what, what if I had to quit? Let's, let's go back. And I say this again with great humility. I could have quit. Like, I didn't need, you know, I didn't, I mean, we didn't, we don't have a lot, but I got enough. And we, we could have been okay. Well, now we have 150 guys all over the world that their life is changing radically. And they tell me all the time, Big A, thank you for not retiring. Thank you for not quitting. You see, I could have, but God called me to lead these men. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, right? Because I love doing the mastermind. I love coaching. I love helping other people. But see, the ripple effect from the accident, from the thing that I thought was devastation, the thing that I thought my life was never going to be the same, the thing that I thought was taking me out was the catalyst for transforming the lives of other people. And see, so people that are hearing me right now that's had moral failures, a divorce, financial crisis, it's the thing that hones us, that makes us better. It's the very thing that can be used to sharpen you, to make you better at this next thing. So please don't don't ever quit. Sure, don't don't stop. I mean, I, that's a great answer from from if you're looking for one. Well, you could have quit, and then she would have quit taking care of your dad, or she'd have quit something that would have led to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can look at. I mean, you went out 
had that, and then you went out and helped so many other people. So when it came time for something to come back around, she she was there to help. I mean, it's there's always goodness in it. Yeah. You yeah. can spin it any way, any way you want to make it negative, but there good. is a, a common good in that for some reason. Whatever it was, you all had to run past each other again. Yeah. So with yeah. your Iron Sharpens Iron, what is that a conference that you're doing? Can you tell our audience what it yeah, actually sure. is? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So when uh, I was at Mercy Me concert at the Curb Center in Nashville back uh, early 2000s, Robin and I were sitting there. Robin's my wife. Robin and I were sitting there watching the concert, and I didn't know it. Dave and Sharon uh, Ramsey were sitting a couple of rolls ahead of us, and when he got up, he walked by. He goes, hey, dude, I didn't even know you were here. And he went to the concession stand and he came back and he said, uh, Hey, he said, uh, I want you to join this mastermind. And I kind of touched on this a few minutes ago. And I went home and told Robin, I said, I don't want to go. And she said, why? I said, you know how Dave is. He's all up in your face. He's going to know that I've got real estate debt. You know, he's going to, and I'm like, I don't want to go and subject myself to that scrutiny. And she goes, why don't you just go and check it out? So I did went to his office Sat there around the table and guys were sharing week in and week out. We were there for probably an hour and a half every Wednesday morning. And uh, one day, one guy started talking about trials in his marriage. And I was like, man, this is pretty heavy. Like he's letting it all out there. And a couple of weeks later, somebody was talking about one of their teenage kids that was really struggling in school. And a couple of weeks later, one of them was talking about some uh, some indiscretion that his son had gotten into. And I was like, this is unbelievable how vulnerable and these guys are. And so I came back home and I walked in the door and I was laughing. Robin goes, what are you laughing about? I said, I have found my people. She said, what do you mean? I said, they're more screwed up than I am. <laughs> and she started laughing. And that put me on a trajectory of being able to be vulnerable and transparent because I've learned at that intersection, that's where real strength begins. See, it's the guys that have the facade that don't ever admit their blind spots or their kryptonite that fall off a cliff, right? And for me, when we have these mastermind groups, it's a virtual meeting. Ten people meet virtually every week at the same time. Then twice a year we meet in person. And so we'll have people from all over the world meeting on one call, and you become very vulnerable, very transparent in every area of your life, personally, professionally, and spiritually. We help each other aspirationally take their lives to the next level because we all need a board of directors. We need trusted advisors. We need people around us that we don't have to explain every area of our life to over and over. I went and had coffee with a guy the other day and I said, Hey, Robin and I are thinking about buying a condo in South Florida. You know, I'm 62 now and we're thinking about getting out of Nashville and going to Southern Florida. And I said, do you think it'd be a good idea? And he thought for a minute and he said, uh, yeah, big A. said, I, I think you should. And I said, why do you think I should? And he said, well, you said you wanted one. And I said, yeah, I do want one. But my question is, do you think it would be a good idea? And he said, I don't know how to answer that. And I said, well, honestly, you can't help me. He said, what do you mean? I said, you don't know Robin. You don't know Brooke and Holly. You don't know any of my five grandkids. You don't know my vision. You don't know my propensity. You don't know my history. You don't know what my aspirations. And you sure don't know anything about my finances. He goes, no, I don't. I said, that's what people do every day. They ask advice from people. They have no data. They have nothing to support their answer. And see, these mastermind groups give you that insight. When you know the answers to all those questions that I just said, then you can help me. 
Otherwise, it's not applicable. It's a good answer, maybe for somebody. Yeah. But you got to have the data. Yeah, and but some questions are completely different. Here. Yeah. They're completely different. I learned that by two people can talk themselves in or out of anything. Sure. They, that, that's just the way it is, especially if they sure. get, when they get real close. You put that third one in there, it offsets. Yeah. Because then there's the one. It's usually like, hey, I don't think you can do that. They'd be like, I can do that. And then you got to have the how-to guy. Or there's yeah. the, the the switch, and you see y'all are ten, right? Y'all are with ten. Ten that's, guys. Yeah. Ten guys. That's good. See, that's a lot. Yeah. There's, a- there's strength in the counsel of the multitude. Sure. Right. And there's safety because it's- when you have ten guys that your core values align, your worldviews align, and then when you come together and you share all the data, then they can help you make a good answer. Right. The way they and do so- that to us is they make it. They they put us in an area and then kick our ass together. Right, in the one or the teams. other. Yeah, right. yeah, that's how it works. Because that way, all the dumb yeah. stuff's out of the way, and then you right. just get what's unique. And it's that's not your, a that's feelings your strength. decision. Right? No, no, yeah, it's it's a, no, based no. Based on I, the data, that's right. Right, you got to take that out of there, right. and then that's when you can get back to back. It's like one right. coin, two sides, yeah. and then when you guys get that ten, you're, you're looking at something that's not only watching your back, yeah. it's watching somebody else watch your back. Yeah. And, and the See, lines that come around are, yeah, I'm sorry. The most valuable asset in a mastermind group is someone else's perspective. Because you Amen only have that, one man. life to live. You've only got one filter. You've only got one experience. You can't see it a different way if you wanted to, because you've only got one set of filters. And so when you've got other guys around you that know everything about you, now you can't go in there and hide. There's no way you can go in there and hide. If you do, they can't help you. And so that's what we, we've created all kinds of programs in Iron Sharpens Iron to help you aspirationally in every area of your life. And then we have accountability tools that's overlaid on top of it that don't give you any wiggle room. That way, every week, we know if you're accomplishing the task. Oh, that's wow. pretty squared away. That's that discipline part right so there. So are you doing the same thing that Dave Ramsey is doing or is yours different? No, totally different. No, it's to- totally different. Um, well, as far as the mastermind is concerned, not Dave's financial, mm-hmm. you know, conversations that he has with people. I mean, we, we cover personal, professional, and spiritual, every area of your life. Mm-hmm. See, here's what happened when I was about 38, 39 years old, I came home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. And my wife said, uh, Hey, I don't want to live a single parent. Uh, thank you for our beautiful home place on the beach, cars, but I need you here. Like I need you taking Brooke and Holly to Girl Scouts and cheering and ball games and piano recital. Like I can't do all that by myself. And I was like, man, I need to build some boundaries. I need some guardrails. And that's what the mastermind did for me. Cause I love to work. Right? Obviously I wouldn't have had so many companies if I didn't love to work. I love to do what we're doing, but because I love to work, it, sometimes can encroach on our family. And so now I have very regimented boundaries that we've put into place. And I said, Hey, I'm going to get what I can get done in that amount of time. And the rest of the time, I'm not going to forsake my family and alter them or offer them up on the altar of financial gain. It's just what you do then is you end up a rich, lonely guy. And you're like, Hey, the things that matter most, my number one core values relationships matter most. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, and I hear guys every day say, oh, my family's most important. Well, they see their wife for five minutes in the morning and 15 minutes before dinner, and then they go out and work in 30 minutes before bed. I'm like, that's not really like, I hear what you're saying, but your actions are screaming. Right. And uh, it's screaming, your family's not that important. And so I'm on a journey 
to help guys really build the parameters and the guardrails so that they don't do what I did and come home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. It won't serve you That's so important for people, like, especially in today's time when we're just trying, everyone's trying to be a go-getter and our kids, our siblings, our spouses are the ones who suffer from that. And one of the things we do in our family, we have a huge family reunion every Thanksgiving and like the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, the grand, everybody comes together at um, our family ranch. That's the mandatory one. Like it's mandatory. Yeah. Everybody. There's comes. other events. Yeah, but <laughs> at Thanksgiving, like all the cousins bring the boyfriends, bring the girlfriend. Like everyone's welcome, and it's that just that time of year where we mm. all learn what each one's doing in their lives and getting to know and it. We all marvel at the fact that we all get along for the most part. Sometimes there's a little <laughs> that's spat family. Here well, that's and there. family. That's that's the best but part. That's my family. favorite part. That's, yeah. That is my favorite part. I love listening <laughs> to them. I just step back. But and we listen. all we get go. we we resolve it, you know, while we're there. Right. And it's to me, family is the most important and it's kind of my I've taken on that role in our family as like making sure we all get together and it's for ten days. It's not just for Thanksgiving it's Day. It's Thanksgiving. We actually <laughs> do like Friday to the next Sunday and we play games. We, you know, mm. we do all kinds of things. And it's so important to me. And I try and tell, you know, my friends and other people that I meet, like, make sure you make time yeah. for your family. If it's, if you can only do it once a year or whatever, but don't make it just for a dinner. Like actually spend quality time. Get to know what they're doing, what their interests are. Can you help them? Can they help you? Like, be that network support system for your own family. Yeah. You ever notice that the best time of the year is right after that? Is December. It's yeah. the happiest time of the year. <laughs> and it's either because you've gotten with your family and it's squared you away, or you see that they're so damn crazy that you're good. Right. <laughs> One or the other. One or the other. And then you get to break That's bread. Because right. everyone gets along when we're breaking bread, especially if it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's why good. there's people, no offense to them, I'm sure you're great at other things, but you are a really good cook, and that makes everyone happy. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Why? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, no, especially when guys like us, when you get a bunch of us around each other, it's first the only time we'll <laughs> we shut up when we get along, no right? No doubt. It I'm, is, right? I'm with you. I'm with How you. do people sign up for your um, Iron Sharpens Iron, and like, yeah, are you. they... Yeah. Do you have social yeah, media? Yeah, I didn't know I was going to get that chance. Uh, so, yeah, I'll just give a 30-second pitch here. The easiest thing to do is, first of all, we're not high pressure. We don't twist arms. We don't say, you got to get in now or you're not going to get in. We want the right people in, right? We want the people that are willing to make the commitment to come, to share, to encourage, uh, to share resources, ideas. We have people going in business together now. We have people that are seven, eight, nine years, they've been meeting in the same group. I mean, these are long-termers. We had a lawyer call us the other day that's in, and he said, these people are going to be my pallbearers. Like he's for real, like they're changing my life. So the easiest thing to do would be to go to viewfromthetop.com, spelled with a V like Victor, viewfromthetop.com. There's an application that'll pop up. You're not bound to anything, but fill out the application and let me and you have just a conversation. Let's just see where you're at. Let's just see what your aspirations and goals are. 
areas in your life that are not exactly where you want them, let's just have a dialogue, right? And see where you're at. And if you fit, and if we like you, and if we think that you would be a, a good fit for the mastermind, we'd love to, we'd love to have you. So yeah, go to viewfromthetop.com. So do you have different sets of 10 or are you just, There's, have- we have 15 groups right now. And at the rate we're Growing, we're going to have thirty groups by the next eighteen months. Yeah, but that's marginal uh, too, right? Because it's all who comes in. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, that's, that's a we're we're trying to grow a real brotherhood that uh, encourages, helps, walks alongside, is your peer advisory, your board of directors, people that can walk in tandem with you to help you. Listen, here's the thing: this is not a trial run. <laughs> this is our life right now. We're going through it today, right now. Like we can't undo this conversation. Like this is, we need to make the best of this discussion. Mm-hmm. The same way is in the discussions that the people want to have in the future with their spouses or the aspirational goals that they're trying to accomplish in their business or to be a better dad or to be a better husband, whatever it is that you want to accomplish. We're not here to decide that we're here to help you accomplish those things and then build the guardrails and the boundaries so that you don't sacrifice your family so that when your kids get older, like mine, my kids are 40 and 37. Uh, they still want to be around. They still want to be with you. Uh, they still, matter of fact, my oldest daughter is the COO of our company, uh, all roads pass through her desk. And so you get an opportunity and it's because we spent time together when they were younger, right? I want to help everybody have that same um, accomplishment that we've been able to have with our family. That's amazing. Cause there is a formula. Mm-hmm. There absolutely is a formula. I was talking to one of my guys this earth this morning about our discipline. I was like, well, I get up every morning, I make my bed. My admiral taught me to do that. There's certain things that I do. And if anything, if my, if the day, cause if you don't go searching for some life, she'll right. show right up. Right. And yep. throw it right in front yep. of you. So yep. your routine is designed to kick you back into the flow. Because yeah. life's designed to kick you out of it. And I I, I, I like the way you, I mean, y'all say it a lot more elegantly than I do, obviously. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's something, man, y'all. That's awesome. Um, so, so how do they find you? What are we looking yeah. for? Like when, when, yeah, when they. Yeah, when they, the, the easiest thing is to go to that site, viewfromthetop.com. If you want to know my story in great detail, uh, this is a book I wrote called View From the Top. Okay. And it's everywhere. It's in all the bookstores. It's on Amazon. You can reach out to me if you want a signed copy, and I'll be happy to send you one. But uh, reach out to viewfromthetop.com and uh, let us have a conversation. Let's see if we can help you. So do you um, have social media or people following you? It's all there. View from the all, top, all of our social media the platforms, okay. the book, um, my cell number. Oh my <laughs> Somebody gosh. said the other day, they said, Big A, you put your cell number on the website. And I said, well, how are people going to get me if I can't find my number? <laughs> right there. So, I want you to find me. Oh I want to help gosh, you. And so, we'll uh, holler back. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> reach right. out. That's right. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, I, that was really incredible. It was, absolutely. I, before you get out of here, I, um, age is rank. Mm-hmm. Can't get ahead of it, can't get behind it. And even if I knew something about the part of the life that you went through, I still have to experience. Otherwise, it's just something in my head, right? Yeah. So that that's the, the life's kind of the hammer as well to tack in there. and everything that you've been through. Yeah. I mean, I pop, you stopped me in my track for a second there. I had to go over in my head multiple times. What it is is happening to you, mm-hmm. but somebody has to carry the weight yeah. for the, for that, for that angle. 
It's almost right. as if, you know, we've been thinking about all these angles to, to put somebody through just to see them come out of it. And you did that. And my, yeah. my question is this. is like, hey, there's, uh, I like wisdom. I'm searching for it all the time. You leave me with yeah. a piece of it. I, I should appreciate it yeah. before you get out because it's well, usually real. two things that I want to encourage all the listeners. First of all, you can go faster alone, but you can go much further together. And so you need accountability. You need uh, peers around you. You need people to help you. The second thing is develop a mindset that is unbelievable. Carol Dweck wrote a great book called Mindset. And in the book, she talks about having a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. My mom had a saying when I was a child, can't, couldn't do it, but could oh, yeah, at all. I've heard that. And I've developed that mindset my entire life. It's the mantra that I live my life by each and every day now. And a lot of people are afraid. They're like, I'm afraid of failure. I used to tell my kids, the failure is in not trying, not in not succeeding. So I want to encourage your listeners today to fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. And if you do those two things, develop the right mindset where you can do it, have confidence in yourself and be fearful of missing an opportunity more than you fear of failure, you too can live a very successful and significant life. So go out there today and go for it and never quit. Awesome. I Amen. love it. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well said. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I'll thank fill you. out my application. <laughs> well, we'll get. I'll get that to you as soon as I can. I guess. I... <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Take care, hey, sir. God bless you. I enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Take thank care. Thank you. God bless. <laughs>